Hello and welcome to Horror. This is a fortnightly podcast in which myself, Lee, and Adam will be taking our friend Chris on a journey through the twisted world of horror cinema in the hopes of introducing him to some of the many delights the genre has to offer. The premise is very simple. We will sit down together and watch a film. As soon as it's finished, we will sit down and record the podcast immediately afterwards. As such, it will be very spoiler-heavy, and we do suggest you watch the film yourself before listening to the podcast, not only so we don't spoil it, but also so you know exactly what we're talking about. At the end of each discussion, we'll decide what film we'll be watching next, and we'll let you know so you have a fortnight to watch it yourselves, and then come on our journey with us again. Along the way, there will be facts, laughs, opinions, probably quite a lot of swearing. Any full frontal nudity will be completely irrelevant, as this is audio only. So, with the introduction over, it's now time for the podcast. Thanks for listening. Wolfman the director's cut <laughs> or Wolfman the actually recorded episode yes I think. yeah so. I'm, I'm certainly happy to revisit it after having some more thoughts about it oh excellent yeah, yeah I saw you did some more research so that's I, I always did. yeah cool yeah so it definitely made me think viewing it as a a psychological is this man going crazy is it true and trying to decide I mean there's enough perhaps to give it away that it probably is true um, but still, I did like that slight ambiguity as you're trying to analyse his state of mind mm. um, and his, also his father's, I suppose. Um, especially with what he says at the beginning about the family, there's some issues with something happened to his brother. Did his brother die? Yeah. Yeah, the brothers. The brother dies, and that's why he goes back isn't it yeah. yeah but they never actually discuss what happened to his brother or yeah. why he left i think i think he left because he's clearly not claude rain's son because he's over mm. 800 foot tall <laughs> and <laughs> i reckon i reckon there's a distinct possibility that the brother was claude rain's son and he was <laughs> he was sent away as american shame I think that's what it was, <laughs> and then it's like shit. We're going to have to call him back now. What? Hmm. What? The, the after your wife had a had it going on with that giant up the road, and it's like yeah, we're going to have to bring him back in. You know, he's still <laughs> technically a Talbot. So. <laughs> mm. oh, the clues in the name Talbot. <laughs> <laughs> but I think yeah, I think. Um, I think it's weird because I, I think up until you were saying about that, I'd, I'd never watched it anything other than as this bloke turns into a wolf. Yeah. But there is a lot of there is a lot of that angst in it, which Lon Chaney Junior. is He's really that, good yeah, at doing, yeah. distraught and mm. pained. Again, I'd never really. I, again, I hadn't thought of it that way either. Really. But it was funny because after you'd said it, it did kind of link in with the thing that I noticed this time round, which I'd never noticed before, which was when Larry is attacked at the beginning by the wolf, which is attacking the woman, and he kills the wolf. Mm. 
it is literally a, a big wolf. wolf. Yeah. yeah. But when he turns, he's yes. half man and part poodle, yeah. which I, so I'd never really noticed before. Mm. But then I was like, well, that's a massive inconsistency. Is, is a werewolf a man who becomes very hairy, or is it a man who becomes a full on wolf? wolf? Because yeah. so as you say, mm. so when you said that, I was like, actually, yeah, maybe it is just. Funnily enough, I spoke to Tony about it, hmm. and same that same thing came up. Where it's like, when you watched it, did you think why does Bella Lugosi turn into an Alsatian, but he doesn't? Yeah, and I'm I'm just gonna go with I reckon because I'm quite good at sort of sorting out fuck ups. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go with it, it's early days. Yes. Yeah, that was the that was what I came yeah, up with, and that's, you become that's... more and more doggy as you go. The yeah. longer you're in that. Yeah, I think you sort of end up. You know, I reckon Bella have been Bella's probably been at it since his teens. You know, and by the time he's, he's just got really good at it, and he can, <laughs> he, he does full blown wolf. Yeah. So, I think that's a good. Uh... Yeah. But the other thing you brought up, which. Again, I think I kind of saw as a little bit odd, but it wasn't until you pointed it out just how that Larry Talbot is supposed to be your hero character who you're sympathetic to, and opening scene, it's him perving on a woman with a telescope in her bedroom. and And then just approaching her and trying to chat her up like he psychically knows what goes on in her bedroom, which is just perverted, but... Uh, before yeah, I was always worked. well, yeah, it did actually. But the, but that's the thing is I think I think that's just I think that's the time the film was made. Yeah, where that's charming yeah. and not <laughs> sex pest. Yeah, how, uh, how it's changed. Because yeah, that's yeah. the thing is she be- God. she becomes worried that he knows all these facts and then he's deeply yeah. reassured by the fact. <laughs> oh no, I was spying on you with, <laughs> with yeah. a high-powered yeah. telescope. <laughs> Yeah, that is, I mean that's that's a bit sort of cool, blimey, yeah. I suppose you know? <laughs> at least he, he told her he's, he's honest. That's a there's, good quality. There's, some, there's something to be said for it, I suppose. But maybe, maybe. Yeah, he does have some other qualities, so we'll perhaps overlook that. I think he's generally a good guy, yeah. isn't he? Really, it's, apart from he does still keep pestering that woman, despite the fact she She's, is with someone. Yeah. And he's trying to get her to run away with and, him. And he seems like a reasonable guy, the way he's portrayed in the film, but it does seem like there's something amiss between them, especially when he first comes in to meet Larry, mm. and they're just sort of all standing there, and he's over one side of the room, Yeah, and Larry yeah, all... and the woman, which I've forgotten her name. Yeah, he's awkward. We'll call her Gladys. Gladys. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Gladys. Um, it definitely but is. I will double check. Um, it's Gwen. Yeah, so there seems to be a bit of a something amiss between them. It's just not clear. I don't think what. Yeah, m- maybe her husband to be is a bit too caught up on managing the forest. Yeah, yeah. Maybe her yeah. husband to be just hasn't like you know spied on her sexually. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. maybe she's just a beard. Maybe none of it. Maybe it's just to cover his. Well, I mean, she should be she should be helping out uh, Larry's dad then, because him, him and that chief of police are mm. definitely at it. Yeah. When they're at the, you know, when they're at Gypsy Funland. Yeah, <laughs> Gypsy Funland. And they're all doing the 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 uh, target Shooting practice and everything else like that. 
They're just standing there hanging out, and it's like, do you want to get an ice cream? Mm. Yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pit. <laughs> Different time, Adam. It was all right yeah. back then to strangely hang around with other men with no real agenda. Yeah. I mean, strangely enough, I mean... There's us three sitting in here mm. talking about... What are you talking about? As, as, long, as long as that is recording, we've got an agenda. No, yeah, <laughs> like, who knows? Don't press stop. Yeah, when, when we press stop. Oh. Gloves come off. And got, everything else. Yeah, I'm just I'm just checking back through my notes, including the, the lovely picture of Larry and Dad. <laughs> um, friendly driver. That I've no idea. Was that at the very start? Yeah, it must a be. Bit. I think yes, very, very probably. But I've got yeah, I've got is the dad shagging the copper. Um, yeah, twiddle is squeamish. Oh, that's the there's the uh, the guy who's the coroner's assistant, isn't he? Oh, he keeps oh no, going he's and the coroner. He keeps going and throwing up. All yeah, the time. he's like the little sort of. Wonderful little sort of dude who's like sort of just oh I don't say that I wouldn't do it anywhere I'll run you back <laughs> and but we were talking about because it's in um, like uh, Bride of Frankenstein where you've got the mad that housekeeper who's just like that yeah who just goes Woo! yeah it's just parents. like some mad sort of like old woman but I, I watched I watched a, I watched a great film at the weekend called A Quiet Place in the Country which is like an Italian pervy version of The Shining. Um, it's 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 really good, but it's also just one of those things where the beautiful thing is is that there does seem to be a lot of it knows it's funny, yeah. And the main character is an intense artist who sort of slowly goes mad in the country, basically he becomes obsessed with the story of uh, the countess who used to live there, who's a nympho. Seriously, that's what they call her in it as well. They're like, she was a nymphomaniac. Includes one of the greatest lines you've, I've ever heard, which was, "There wasn't, there's not a man in this village un, oh, over 40 who the Countess didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he sort of, he's meant to be like this intense, amazing artist, but the camera does keep pulling back. It's that same thing about, is he going mad, is he not? Yeah. But the camera keeps sort of pulling back to reality and it's like, oh no, you do look pathetic at this point. <laughs> where he's sort of like thinking about he's thinking about himself conquering the countess <laughs> and then it cuts to him sort of like dry humping a mattress and you're like sort of like nah you're a twat aren't you <laughs> but but in that there's like a couple of housekeepers who are the winners of the whole thing and that is something I'm beginning to think there is a sort of horror thing of like the underclass who are not involved in the the grand drama of it, yeah. but who are prosaically getting on with their life, and it's like this in 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 uh, quiet place in the country. He goes to this. He goes to this. Um, uh, the mother of the countess, who's like this old woman who's living in Milan or whatever, yeah. and um, the housekeeper won't let him in. But the housekeeper is constantly chaining fags. He offers her a fag. She takes the whole packet and then lets him in. <laughs> And after he runs out and everything, it's just a long shot of her walking down the corridor with just a fag stuck upright out of her mouth, puffing away. And it's like, everyone else in this film is like having a shit time and like people are going mad and people are possibly dying and everything else. And basically, she wins. <laughs> She's boiled it down. It's like, sort of like, what do I want out of life? Well, I want a couple of fags. Yeah, all right. And she, I want to walk about this house like I own it. Yeah, nobody that is, else will that come is in pretty here. much. Yeah, that is pretty much it. And I think there's a sim- similar sort of thing going on with a lot of these 
sort of kind of incidental characters who seem to have more life than a lot of the main characters. Mm. I mean, if Gwen was carrying on with Tweedle, or Twiddle, I'd think it was odd, but at least he'd have more personality than the bloke she is marrying. Yes. Mm. Because he, he, I think he really he really was a dull man. Yes. You know. Yeah, even though we didn't see a lot of him. And the, the other thing I wanted to bring up, um, which I know we discussed last time, was the the uh, the transformation sequence, mm. which obviously doesn't look great now. But considering we're only ten years out from Dracula, to go oh, for yeah. a, an on-screen transformation mm. or relatively on-screen, yeah, yeah. Um, what was it? They, they faded. It yeah, like so crossfade against it, but it was yeah. on his co- concentrates on the feet yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, which as you said, with the, with the the fact that he's got the dog like feet. Which yeah, he walks never, on his mm, um, like up on the balls, on, of, on his the balls feet. of his feet, and it gives it that wolf dog, sort of dog leg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it, Jack Pierce's um, makeup, as as it always was from Jack Pierce, was just brilliant and so ahead of its time. It's uh, yeah, again, it's just another iconic character that he's that he's created that mm. you now. You know, like the way that you can't see, you can't think of Frankenstein without seeing Jack Pierce's Frankenstein. Mm. It's it's the only. Well, even even the Universal Dracula, Dracula still is in a tux with a cape with a medallion and the widow's peak. Yeah, again, which none which of is, was in the book. None of it's in, in the book. Yeah, but I, I've got because um, that was oh yeah, that was the other thing as well is that um, that was another thing that seemed odd in it as well like uh, another sort of inconsistency that I spotted mm. which was he's in a, he's in a white suit takes off his takes off his shirt so he's in his vest transforms but then when he's out he's in black trousers yeah. and a black shirt <laughs> so he's clearly transformed got changed and got out and got out which in full dog mode. Yeah, I quite like that idea of him just going through just trying stuff against the fur. <laughs> I suppose black to be fair, black, black does seem yeah. to fit. Yeah, no, yeah. I think that's probably what it is. He doesn't want to be seen. He's like mm. he's like a he's like a, a invisible cyclist. <laughs> I'm like, and that's the other thing I remember what I was talking about as well was the um, the gypsy woman mm. who sort of who seems to kind of be looking out for him almost yeah. because it's like she because she's Bella's Some mother sort of spirit has gone in yeah it. and she sort of seems to look out for him yeah. on that basis yeah in spite of the fact that he, he killed actually, her he killed her son yeah. beating to death stick. with a fucking walking stick yeah. yeah but you know there's no account of a taste <laughs> is there um, but the fact that in several sequences she is rattling around on a horse drawn car and no one spots her. Yeah. <coughs> There's and, a lot of that. And she in. comes across yeah. him um, as oh, yeah, required when he's, a little he's... bit. But, and I, but I suppose, well, I'm not... I mean, I guess she adds something a bit different to the, the film generally compared to the other characters. Mm. But, yeah, I'm not sure that her role is that necessary. I guess she explains yeah. some of the myth, but then maybe later on she might not have been... Yeah, I think she she sort of seems to stay in it longer than possibly Perhaps. is necessary. Yeah, but she, she scares all of her friends, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah. Even though she doesn't point out who the actual wolf is, she's like, <laughs> he's here somewhere, and he's probably just over there. But yeah, and you'll just run around panicking. I, I think you've got you've got to give us the Rhinely. 
Oh, uh, even oh, yeah. a man, even a man who even oh, even a man who is pure of heart, heart and says his prayers by night may become a wolf when the wolf bane blooms and the autumn moon is bright. Yes, mm. and I forget the second line. That's, so I was no, this is You you said you the Craig Filth one. That was winter it. moon is bright. So oh. that's when I saw the film. I was thinking, hold on, something's different here. And then I listened yeah. to the Cradle of Filth song. Yeah. And realized Why that, would you listen to Cradle of Filth? Well, I used to like them a lot. <laughs> and, and, and he knew where the he knew yeah, where the yeah, yeah, was. You know, it's good enough. to tie up all these loose ends. Mm. No, no, that's that's um, very true. And you can't really knock them for using decent <clears throat> sample taking good. Their movie tastes um, are pretty good. Yeah. I can't. Um, I th- yeah, I think I think I I would imagine that. Uh, a night round Danny Phelps is probably fun. very entertaining. Yeah, yeah. you've you've obviously as long as he doesn't mm. make you watch his films. You've you well, I don't know because the, the, it's it's he did a film with Emily, Emily Booth, Booth, but yeah. yeah, but she's amazing in it. Oh, she's amazing. And um, oh, I can't think of her bloody name. Uh, Razorblade, smile. Eileen oh, Daly. Daly. Yeah, she's in it as well. Yes, yes, yeah. she is. I haven't seen it in a very long yeah, time. Yeah, no. It's, <clears throat> it turns out on the Horror Channel, sort of once once in a full moon. <laughs> and, um, and um, yeah, and then I don't watch it. <laughs> Fair enough. But I think he... Um, no, I don't know. I think he'd be... I, I'd imagine it'd be quite a good night around there. Now, your claim to fame with Danny Filth is you have... <laughs> you have Accosted him at a urinal. Is that the case? As, no, as you do. that wasn't yeah. what happened at all. So you were glory holing. No, right, no. Okay, <laughs> what happened? Yeah, you probably do need to explain that. Really. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for bringing that up on the podcast. I went to the O2 to see uh, Jeff Wayne conduct the War of the Worlds, mm-hmm. uh, and yes, in the interval, I joined the queue. For the gents, I'd like to point out we were probably 40 men away from the gents at the point at which I suddenly realised who he was and before I had a chance to go, oh, this is a bit odd, I just went, you're Danny from Cradle of Filth, aren't you? And he went, yeah. And I was like, oh, bit odd to meet you in the queue for the toilets. And he just went, well... No, we are than anywhere else, really, which I thought was a fair point. And, yeah, uh, that is pretty and, down to earth. Really. And I then left it at that because we were moving towards the toilet and I didn't want to talk mm. to him inside the toilet because that would just be weird. Yeah. So that was the only kind I t- of conversation I, take it, I, I take it he wasn't, like, made up or anything. No, no. no right. I just recognised him because of his height. Yes. Or lack thereof. Lack so, thereof, yes. So, so, in, so in the remake we're planning of Wolfman, he plays Claude Rains' role. <laughs> And uh, we get um, Ron Perlman. (laughs) (laughs) Andre the Giant reanimated to play Larry. But yeah, it's uh, you. So you found the dialogue a bit strange as well, didn't you? Yeah, the way a, people yeah. Interact. So I was trying to decide, and I still don't know because I haven't watched enough of them. Whether it was that era of filming, whether it was because it was uh, horror and that meant to be based on that sort of place. So I'm just not sure really. I need to watch some non-horror films of that era to see if I can get on with them as well. Now, Jennifer said to watch Gone with the Wind. Is that a similar year? I've got to admit, I haven't, okay. outside of horror, 
I haven't any. seen a lot of black no. and white I th- movies. I think it. I think it depends what where you're where you're going. Gone with the Wind probably is more in that kind of a style. I would say. Okay. But then you get weirder stuff because there's there's obviously because um, Wolfman is nineteen forty one. Nineteen forty one. Okay, and. So yeah, I think I don't know when Gone with the Wind is. I think that I think that's speak. forty nine. Oh right. right, there we go. Mm. So yeah, I think Jennifer's pretty much spot on there. Fair and, enough. And thinking about it, yeah, I mean, I think in terms of the dialogue, I think it's quite. It, but it depends on which filmmaker you've got because uh, certainly a lot of the film noir and stuff from around there yeah. is a lot sort of faster paced. But then I think it's. In a way, I think this is we're dealing with lords and you know yeah. and lords and ladies, so everyone will have sort of they're trying to go for long RP sort of sounding. Mm. Whereas a lot of the film noir, it's a lot of yeah, well I didn't know that, but yeah, he only did that Because actually, that's um, that's something I found really surprising is um, the very original House of Wax is yes. so fast. Like, in terms of the dialogue, it's like being injected with New York. <laughs> it's just something... Seriously, and I was like, I, I, I actually had to check and go, is this the... Which one's the older one? Because it, fe- it felt like sometimes now nowadays I'm beginning to suspect I might be getting older because occasionally on telly I'm going, what did they just say? Mm. <laughs> you know, and maybe telly is getting a bit fast-paced for me now. I don't know. But... Yeah, this uh, when I watched House of Wax, it was just sort of like, but everyone in it is really sort of because it's like set in a newsroom as well, so it's lots of oh, why is going in? And yeah, so I think it's, I think probably, probably the Wolfman's kind of the norm for that era. Yeah, okay. Um, but also, I think it is just the, I think it's what was acceptable to. Um, well not acceptable but I think it was just what the the trend was Hmm. like we were saying about you couldn't when we were watching the Wolfman we were quite sort of we talked during it because of the pacing of it you're not going to miss much so that's it I was trying to work out I mean I don't know whether I don't mind the pace Mm. so it's possible but I think there was things I'm trying to remember back to it because obviously I've only seen it once but um when he was sort of talking about becoming a wolf and it's like, this is bad, and then it's like, oh, let's go to church. And it just felt a bit like, hold on, that doesn't quite fit with the events that have been happening yeah. so much and the fact that he's sort of breaking down in front of your eyes to mm. some degree and then you're kind of not really responding to that. It's almost... But then maybe that is it. It was meant to be, you know, his dad was trying to ignore what's yeah, going on he, a bit because yeah. he didn't really want to face the fact that his son was he's either going mad or actually turned into a wolf. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, it's just difficult to know, really. And yeah, so that's why it's making me question I, a bit. I think you can. I think you can read it that way, though. Mm. It is almost like sort of like well, 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 well never mind that. Let's brush yeah, it off the carpet. Yeah, you know, we, we yeah. go to church and keep and, respectable. And yeah. the doctor was kind of you know, oh yeah, just go to sleep for a bit. Yeah, and and it, yeah. have a kip and stop thinking about senseless <laughs> yeah. murders. I so, think, so maybe well, that is fine, and it's just. I know. think. I think weirdly, I think that is. In a way, I think that is a, um, I think that is definitely of its generation. Yeah. Because now I think, 
I think character now takes precedent over narrative. Hmm. Whereas it was sort of like, right, we've got a story and we've got 80 minutes. Yeah, we'll, we've got to we'll, stick we'll to We'll go that. through this story. Whereas now I think audiences kind of expect, if you've been through something traumatic, you should be more There's some kind of fallout. By yeah, you should, you should. And I mean, it's the same... I mean, it's, it's something that definitely is the noticeable difference since they brought Doctor Who back. Is then because it used to be that it was like, oh well, never mind. It's you know, just... the master did kill your dad. And then, seriously, there's there's like characters in it who don't react particularly yeah. badly, even though their father has been possessed by the master essentially and killed, mm-hmm. and he's walking around in his corpse. You know, and and on a conceptual level. That should be horrific. Yeah. But no one's taken <clears throat> any fucking notice. You know, and you end up in bloodbaths and then, well, we'll just crack on next week. Mm. Whereas now I think they're kind of aware that it's like, we have actually got to address that this is going to blow effect. someone's fucking mind if they're yeah. out in space and time and mm. surviving battles and seeing people killed in yeah. front of them. It's going to cause a problem. That's true. I think people do want a lot more character development now and a lot mm. more a lot more realism. Whereas... Yeah, so maybe that's it. If I don't see that, I feel a bit <coughs> like, is that not as good as it should have been because that's missing? You know? Yeah. I, th- I, I think, think it's expectations to... of audiences, really. It goes yeah. to show how far we've come, yeah, as mm. you say, as an audience, mm. rather than just saying, right, I want a very basic story, mm. I want no subplot, I want no side plots. I just want a very straightforward narrative. I want no additional characters, and, and yeah, we just that doesn't fly any longer. We mm. we want more. Well, I, th- I think that's the thing is because also it's it's the, it's the creation of an arc, hmm. and really the only person who goes through anything in the Wolfman is Larry. Yeah, yeah. everyone else they is don't a, seem to. Yeah, everyone else is. Um, yeah, affected by it as it were, yeah. Yeah. but he's the only one who comes away with. Any ch- well, obviously, but yeah, <laughs> comes away with it with yeah. any sort of change or you know yeah. progression in terms of his life. Yeah, that's mm. true. Whereas nowadays, I think because I think that's the thing is also it's like the same with um, I think that's why sort of biopics and everything else like that do well mm. is because it's basically sort of like oh, I'm telling you, it's the story of this man who did this and how it affected him. Now, admittedly, that can also still be. Fucking boring. Mm. Yes. And every so often, we do need just dinosaurs yeah. and guns. Yeah. Yes. But, yeah, a bit of both's fine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Documentary followed by Kung Fury is exactly I've what watched that for the first time yesterday. Oh, did you really? Yeah, I've never seen it before. Me and Dan, I was pissing myself. <laughs> I gen- yeah, genuinely never seen it before. And, yeah, as I say, Dean was on a synthwave one, so that obviously... It was perfect. Yeah, that, that obviously worked very well. Not in the horror genre, but we will watch Kung Fury at some point. Um, it's a fair, fairly um, short one. Oh, and that yeah, I think might, it's only half an hour, isn't it? As an aside, Night Satan and the Loops of Doom is now on YouTube. Like the Night Satan and the Loops of Doom. Night Satan are a band who do electronic music that they call laser metal. Right. And they, um, they and uh, a, another guy, a, a director, basically they got together designed a short film that's based on sort of the Italian sci-fi slash Mad Max sort of aesthetic of sci-fi and um, then they wrote the score to it wow Uh, but they're in it as 
um, as Night Satan, who are a uh, who are musical warriors in an in a wasteland after after the holo- after the apocalypse. You need to send me a link to this. Yeah, it's like I say, YouTube Night Satan, Night Satan and the Loops of Doom. It's great. I bought it. I bought it. The CD came with the DVD in a limited edition thing ages ago. Wow. And then I found out recently it's up on YouTube. And me and Dean watched it for the first time in about a year uh, last night. And, yeah, that is still great. It's only, like, 20 minutes long. Yeah. But, yeah, and I believe, I'm not entirely sure, but I believe Night Satan are from Norway. Okay. But what they've done in it is they've got Italian people to overdub them in <laughs> Italian, and then there's English subtitles. Oh, just to give it that full sort of 70s like that. that's, aesthetic. That's nice. yeah. that's good. Um, and not only that, but also they look really cool in the outfits. They've got one of them looks like a sort of cross between Herman the Hunter and Boba Fett. <laughs> it's a good look. I should have to check that out. Loops of Doom. Loops of Doom, yeah. And what happens is um, it's basically there's people going around fitting sequences to women's heads and basically placing them in a loop of screaming that then attracts uh, men to sort of guard them. And it's it's mental. It's yeah. genuinely <laughs> mental, but it's brilliant. Um, and yeah. On a news note, as it is relevant, as I saw it literally five minutes before you guys arrived this evening... <coughs> Have you seen the remake of It trailer released today? No, no. no. Someone, someone was telling me that... It looks like Stranger Things. Oh, right, okay. Cross with now, it, it, I it remember it. being great when we watched that when we were younger. Oh, so mm. good. So, and that, so good. that, that, so it totally just reminded me, that made me scared of drains. Oh, really? Yeah. I remember it was not long after I went to America and saw a drain that looked... Oh, that like proper, yeah, yeah. Wide, mm. big open, yeah. And so that, that was good. <laughs> see, see, I think that's something. That's something that horror. You know, horror's done well. Yeah. Is if it affects ordinary things. Yeah. Yeah. If it can make something ordinary scary or avoidable. I mean, it, so Ghoulies did that with a toilet as well. Yes. Oh yes. Yes, yeah. yes it did. Everyone yeah. had that. Okay. I love all of those. I, I've, I've, I've genuinely never seen Ghoulies. Huh? No, none of them. None of them. But. That front cover is embedded in my head. I'm when when I when I'm dying, filled with dementia. I may not remember the faces of those I love, but I will remember that video cover for good. It's funny because and Zone Troopers, they need you. I don't remember that. But Ghoulies is funny because the again, it's one of those things where they made the film and then sort of bent to public opinion I feel because the ghoulies although they were the titular characters in the film they were such a small part of the first film it was about the lord sorcerer guy who comes back oh, right. okay. and the ghoulies are just his kind of little minions but people loved them so much that mm. the second and third film are just about the little minions and the rest of it is just yeah, I mean, I don't remember anything else except the little creatures. Because I, I assumed it was because I, I assumed it was like critters that spate of gremlins sort yeah. of rip-offs. No, I think, again, I'm only, it's only an opinion, but mm. yeah, I think those films were out at the time. Yeah. Um, <coughs> excuse me, sorry. I saw coughing, Um Yeah, those films were big at the time, 
that had these small characters in it. Mm. So therefore, they kind of latched onto that as a uh, oh, the advertising. Yeah, a bit like there. oh my god, like when um, Near Dark redid their cover and oh, they re-released yeah. that when Twilight came out, which I just would have killed to have been in the room with a load of Twilight fans when they yeah. bought Near Dark because it looked very similar and tried to watch that movie. Yeah. That would have been I, absolutely... I'd, ima- I'd imagine the part... I'd imagine it's the bar sequence that would have been the tester. Oh, Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton slitting throats with spurs. <laughs> and Lance Henriksen just laughing. Bill I think. Paxton. Was he the one from Aliens? Who died recently. Yeah. 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 Okay, yeah. Because Near, Near Dark is um, probably... I don't know. It probably is my favourite vampire film. Yeah. And what happened was it was... Uh, it's directed by Catherine Bigelow who was... James Cameron's wife at the time mm. and most of the cast are from Aliens okay. it's almost like they're sort of we know you didn't get you know, we know you're not Sigourney Weaver but and so it's Vasquez um, Lance Henriksen Bill Paxton mm. uh, what's, what's yeah, Vasquez Jeanette Goldstein Yes, and yeah. so yeah, so there's like sort of it's a few people from good. Aliens. I think basically it was it almost like great. Catherine Bigelow was sitting there going, "Do you know any good actors?" Yeah, yeah. I know a shit ton. I've just made a film called Aliens, love. You know, it's such a horrible, dirty, grimy film. It's mm. brilliant. It, it's it's, really, it's vampirism really as it probably would be. Yeah, okay. where essentially they're like they're almost like a sort of. A bit like a, a Manson cult or something like that. Mm. They're basically just spree killers going across America and sort of like mm. living off people out of caravans and stuff like that. They're like trailer vampires. But it works. It's just, yeah. It is a fantastic film. I think, yeah, I think my top three would have to be that Let the Right One In, which mm. was amazing. And I really like, because it was, again, I know it isn't a perfect film, but. 30 Days of Night again because there'd been such a spate of sexy vampire yeah. films and then 30 Days of Night come out and that was disgusting. They're just horrible in that. Yeah. I, I, I think I think I'm I think with me it's probably Near Dark Let the Right One In and The Addiction which is a sort of I don't know almost like an art film but um, basically it's Vampirism as heroin addiction, whilst also a philosophical treatise on death in itself. Mm, nice. And uh, uh, but and it's got Christopher Walken in it. Oh well, you know, so that, that immediately means it's and it's got Christopher Walken and um, at certain points Wu Tang and Cypress Hill on the soundtrack as well, which is really <laughs> just great. Probably the only times they will appear in a vampire film. But there we go. That's very. What was kind of funny was Christopher Walken was in um, Annie Hall. Yes. I like, oh, not yeah. recognise him. <laughs> he was walking funny because at that point he did have the watch up his ass. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, he just got back. <laughs> just got back. Um, I've got another thing here which I seem to remember, um, which was where the priest, we, talked, we touched on it last time, mm. uh, where... There's the sequence where the priest says to the the, the woman who's... Sat, it was the gypsy woman 
saying about her just uh, after her beliefs and everything. Yeah. And he's going, oh, in your superstitions. Mm. Yeah. And we all had a good giggle about that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, the religious types talking down to people about their superstitions yeah. being yeah. stupid. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It was sort of quite. But like we said at the time, that probably that wouldn't have been seen as any probably not seen as any double meaning that would have just been mm. like yeah I mean what are they talking about you know of course of course God's real yeah. Yeah, yeah. werewolves don't be silly yeah unquestionable at the time I suppose in 1940 you wouldn't mm. publicly come out and uh, oh, this... denounce all religion but it's yeah as you say it's fun for us now to look at it and uh... I think and I also got the there was the two lines that I had to jot down as well um, it's the gypsy fortune teller and the man that killed him, which, <laughs> which is a Jerry Spring, a Springer type, yeah. basically. Um, and the one that we really loved, which was Wolf, Gypsy Woman, Murder. <laughs> he was just such a Matt Berry delivery. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah that really. Just... Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, now you've now you've now you've cogitated on it mm. for a. Uh, for a, a few weeks now. So, what what are your so, what Springer's final thought? Yeah, so so I like yeah. it a lot more when I don't view it as what I in my head have as a horror film because mm-hmm. it wasn't scary. Um, but I did like the story, and if I ignore, um, you know, some of the it's glaring and well, well, yeah, <laughs> but, but I mean they weren't terrible. Just yeah, I just thought they could have been adjusted slightly. Mm. Um, but yeah, no. So I thought the story was great, and yeah, I like it a lot more from that perspective. Yeah. Um, so these are the things I'm trying to figure out what I sort of consider horror. Um, so watching American Horror Story, mm-hmm. and I've just watched episode two. Episode one was much scarier. What it season are you watching? First season. All oh, right. So oh, yeah. so the very yeah. the very first. Yeah. yeah, and the second episode I didn't find scary at all because it was about three people that were reenacting a, uh, a psychopathic killer. They were trying to um, dress up the woman, the wife, and her daughter, and put them in a bath, and then the. The no, don't don't bring any girls at all. I think you might have skipped an episode in there, mate. Oh, did I? Yeah, because that I think that's there's a sequence where there's a sequence where they go in and like there's the home invasion episode, but that's like halfway through the season. I I don't remember. It was I I saw it when it first aired. Week by week, episode by episode, which was probably eight years so, ago. So the first yeah. one is them moving into the house. Yeah. And they meet the woman next door who you're trying to figure out mm. why right. she's so weird. What her game And is. her daughter and how she, you know, treats her daughter. Mm. Um, and the fact that the daughter keeps turning up and you don't quite know. And there's twins, I think, something like that. And it shows a, back, a flashback to the twins going down into the... Sort of oh, yeah, no, that's that. Yeah, at the very the start, there's the thing where it's the twi- Yeah, because it's the two boys who've yeah. been bullying the woman next door's daughter, okay. isn't it? Yeah. And then she said, they're going to die in there. Mm. And, yeah. But, so that seemed more horror, as I would imagine. Whichever episode this was, it was either then two or three, I think, because I've, I've definitely not watched many. I, th- I think but, what happens with American Horror Stories, though, is definitely the, the, the first episode is usually. Right, we'll give you the horror. Okay. 
and then because and then it becomes more about the exploration of the plot. It still has mm. its horror moments, but yeah, I think, yeah. But I think the initial one, cer- certainly the first first episode of that that like first episode series one, really it's kind of like right. We're called American Horror Story. We better make this mm. horror. They did that with Hotel as well, if I remember correctly. The first episode of that was brutal, and mm. then after that, after that, it's, it's so again, it doesn't peter out. It, it's a, yeah. it's an just, amazing. Yeah. Every episode is is outstanding, but yeah, they give you so much in the first episode for atmosphere and gore and everything mm. to really draw you in. Yeah, and then once they've given you that, you can kind of sit back and relax a bit, yeah. and then they can take their time with the character development mm. and give you the real. They give you. It's, I think the best way of putting it is, it's almost it almost goes it almost goes into a sunk, mm. kind yeah. of. In yeah. so much as you are then following a large group of characters and seeing where they're going. Yeah, yeah. and different things happen yeah. to them at different. So, points. so yeah. the horror yeah. sort of backs off a bit, but yeah. it's, it's still in there. Yeah, but I so think they, it, yeah. I think those those initial episodes, pretty much every, I think every series kind of has that where like the first episode really has to be. Yeah, it's really punchy. In yeah, the and face and, yeah. But that's and so I would compare it to say the woman in black, where the whole thing was building up this idea of you know the the horror house and the woman, and it was all about creating the horrific, um, mm. and and some jump scares and so on, and so <laughs> I think the sort of combination of that. Is what makes me think of horror, whereas when it is a based around a psychopathic killer, it doesn't feel quite. I suppose it, yeah, it doesn't have the supernatural as much. Perhaps that's it. So I'm trying to think of ones that are like that. It's a like Halloween. Is he supernatural? Uh, he's yeah. kind of. Yeah. He's by the end. Right. Yeah. And then and then later sequels kind of retrofit it, don't they? Isn't there yeah, like they, a, cl- a cult or something? Yeah, yeah, it makes it about a, a cult thing. But mm. and, and then it, the same with Friday the Thirteenth as well. Uh, it did yeah. exactly the okay. same. Okay. And, you know, yeah, in, first, in Halloween, he's an escape mental patient up until yeah. the end where he just keeps standing up. And I mean that yeah. that can be done in what the way I would imagine is more horror based. Mm. Um, and I suppose a bit like um, what's it called, Scream. Because that wasn't supernatural, but no. the way it was portrayed, it felt a bit supernatural. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, and so that felt a bit more like horror. And it's only sort of at the end that you realise it's well, too even, crazy. Well, like Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, Silence of the Lambs. I mean, if you watch, because there's the there's the adaption of the original book Red Dragon, mm. which Michael Michael Mann did a film of it called Manhunter, and which presumably was about people looking for him. Um, but um, and there's and he does it really sort of like like he does everything where it's a lot of really sort of high tech looking a a big electronic score Mm. lots of sort of neons and you know sort of heavy lighting and stuff like that and with exactly the same material then you get Science of the Lambs and Science of the Lambs is filmed like horror film yeah, mm. even okay, though yeah. it's not supernatural, yeah. it's dungeons, it's yeah. dank, yeah. it's yeah, it's it that is sh- that. That, and I think that actually ended up being an aesthetic whereby you get stuff like Luther, hmm. which is a police drama essentially, yeah, but it's shot like a horror film. Uh, True Detective as well. Yeah. Another it, oh yeah, some of yeah. Sherlock. Oh, I watched one of the episodes yeah. recently, and the start of it was definitely yeah, basically oh, yeah. like just a classic horror. That's how I would think of it. Until but, it turned out it was, mm. you know, tricks. 
but for years I was I was the same for probably six or seven years I had no interest in for me horror if it didn't have a supernatural element it mm. wasn't horror and I had no interest mm. in it I had no interest in slashers or mm. I still don't in torture films or home invasion movies I don't get on with those at all um, but slashers but again the thing that turned me around on that was Friday the 13th because as you say at the beginning it wasn't supernatural it was just a guy mm. and I kind of watched them and went yeah they're alright and then into the later ones where they uh, tie a chain around him a concrete block throw him off a pier he, he's under the water for five months until a boat cuts the chain and then as soon as he floats to the top again mm. machete in hand and it all just and as soon as it's got that he is a zombie mm. all of a sudden for me I was like no, she's interesting it's, now. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It, it's, it gives it that extra... Because otherwise, it's like, well, well, how comes nobody's managed to kill him yet? If there's nothing supernatural about him, mm. how has he killed all these people nobody's managed to... Yeah. Whereas as soon as it becomes impossible to kill, then it's yeah. exciting because yeah. it's, it's got that, that. That's that's a tension, and also, like you say, that's when it becomes... And like I say, the, the weirdest... That's the weird thing with Halloween, and I don't, I don't think... I don't even know how it's addressed or not because I mean although it's a John Carpenter film I don't think I've ever watched like a commentary on it or anything like that mm. because literally he is an escape mental patient and that is the drama of it all the way through yeah. until the end where um, she stabs him through the neck and he's still coming and at that point you could kind of say oh well maybe you know they say the mad have the strength of tenure. Yeah. You think it's that sort of thing, and then he gets shot and falls two like uh, two, yeah. two stories out of a window. Then he fucks off, and then it's like shit. No, no, he must be supernatural. Yeah. And then it's sort of from there he does become he becomes a supernatural figure. Yeah. But yeah, throughout the throughout the. The, the majority of the film, he's just a killer, an escape yeah. killer. And as you say, even to right to the end of that, you kind of think he could have just crawled off somewhere. Yeah, and, and died. died or, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so it's not until the second one, which follows on literally from the, that, so you go, all right, so he's been through all this and now he's made his way to the hospital and he's mm. perfectly all right to go on another killing spree. Even I, that where he's hard as fuck. Yeah, <laughs> well, see, yeah so, but that's, um, that's starting to make me think, in contrast to that, are zombies, which I always thought of as supernatural, but with some of the more recent films saying that if a certain virus could, say, remove the pain receptors yeah. and make you become, you know, the, the craziest... That your oh, brain the the rage yeah, thing in 20 then eight it, days later. Yeah, yeah. And then if, you know, in theory, that is kind of supernatural because it's not the way humans tend to behave, but yet it is within the realm of... The natural. Yeah. Well, it's, it's in the realm at that point. It's in the realms of science fiction, I suppose. Well, exactly. Because it's a man-made substance. Yeah, it yeah. could be possible in theory that you could um, berserk someone. You know, mm. so you could bring out the worst part of their brain and also make them so they can't feel pain. So they'll just keep on coming at you until they're chopped up into, you know, very small bits. Right, see, and, then, so and now that explains why I don't like zombies. Uh, Otherwise, found zombies massively boring. Yeah. Well, I think yes. Yeah, there are some great zombie movies, but I think it's as a subgenre, mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, certainly. I think yeah. I think it's the ease of it. Mm. I think it's just because you paint you paint someone up and you've got a zombie. Yeah. You don't need so every sod can do it, and I think every sod did do it. Yeah. There's some interesting ones mm. out there. There's a film called I Zombie. Which is basically like a kitchen sink drama zombie film, um, and it's a guy who who gets bitten 
starts turning into a zombie, but is trying to still keep his shit together. Yeah. And it's like him having to like like sort of stitch his legs back together and things like that. It's like like try, to just try and keep his body because he's decaying. Mm. Yeah. And he is he's going through the process of being a decaying corpse, but he's still conscious. So would you do you or did you view that as a horror movie or as a it, sort of It's a horror movie but in a but in a weird not way focusing it, on the horror. It's yeah. a, it's a, it's definitely body horror. Yeah, it's, yeah, much, yeah, it's, yeah, right. it's the same. It's the horror almost of contamination, yeah. which I think is where the heart of the zombie thing is. Where it's mm. the bitten and then you become. Yeah, yeah. it's so similar fear, to vampires. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a contamination I suppose you, you outbreak always, sort yeah. of thing. Ten, I would tend to prefer to turn into a vampire, but then that's because of the way they're portrayed. Yeah, mm. sophisticated. And Again, not like, the, almost yeah. like the best of a human. Yeah, yeah, you, whereas, the, yeah, yeah you don't lose. Type. You don't lose your brain. Yeah. yeah. See, now thinking about it, I've never made this link before, but actually, yeah, my the only zombie films I like are, zomb- are horror comedies. Mm-hmm. Loved Zombieland, loved Shaun of the Dead, mm-hmm. yeah. loved Fido. Yeah. They all worked for me, but yeah. Army of a, Darkness and Brain Dead. And yeah, yeah, the Army of Darkness, yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, the Deadites are, are effectively mm. zombies, yeah, mm. yeah, and all of the Evil Dead films are obviously irreproachable. Mm. Mm. But um, I think it's mind you. I mean, with with I mean, because weirdly enough, I mean, there's there's uh, zombie flesh eaters where it's explicitly voodoo, yeah, uh, and actually sort of takes it back to its from, roots from white zombie and the yeah. very early. Yeah. Mm. Um, but like the George Romero, like Night of the Living Dead, they keep going on about a satellite, don't they? That's breaking up. Yeah. So, so it's, again, it's, it's kind of possibly a sci-fi yeah. explanation, okay. and in Living Dead at the Manchester Morgue, <laughs> which we should watch at some point because it's just entertaining, merely because of the fact they thought Manchester was exotic. Yeah. <laughs> it's an Italian-made uh, horror film, but filmed okay. over here. Yeah, yeah. and um, and in that, it's a new form of agricultural machinery that uses sonics to mm. uh, like seed the soil or something like that. And yeah, apparently mm. that's what causes it. Another great one, actually, that we will have to watch at some point. I can't give too much away because Chris hasn't seen mm-hmm. it. But Pontypool. Oh yeah. See that like that, that if you take it at oh, if you take I it and add Pontypool, a whole actually. new element to it, <laughs> mm. it's yeah, like subverting the form with zombies is really good because it's like there's so much that you can do. It's not like it hasn't got enough folklore behind it, like mm. vampires or werewolves, or where it's very linear. You are just taking someone and zombifying them, which can be done in a million different ways, and they yeah. can have a million different. Powers, or you know, yeah, essentially, of, it's a reanimated <clears throat> corpse, and then from there, from there, you can do anything mm. with it. And again, mind you, another great one. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, I mean, going back to the Wolfman, because we discussed the sort of elements of it where the Wolfman's the first one where it wasn't based on a book, mm. and it was more based, it was based on werewolf folklore, but there was no, there was no Dracula, there was no Frankenstein, yeah. Like, there was no original novel source material yeah. where they took the plot from. And maybe that's another reason why it's sort of disjointed. And actually probably is more like 1940s drama mm. than some of the others are. 
Yeah, because it would have been written as right. There's you know, it was you get a bit of a wolf, you turn into yeah. a wolf, yeah. write a story about yeah, it, go rather from than there. as you say, having an actual text to to go through and create a script from. Mm. Yeah, the same way you would for a play or whatever. Yeah, so it, it was probably people writing things specifically for film for the first time in horror. And actually, I mean, in folkloric terms, the werewolf generally tended to be terms used for murderers. Mm, okay. um, there was a guy called Peter Stuber who... Stuber! Stuber! Uh, he had... Uh, he claimed he, I think he claimed he had a belt that turned him into a wolf and he would go out and eat children. And basically he was just an abysmal mass murderer. But, and this, this is one of those ones where it's just like, they knew what they were doing in the old days. He was sentenced to have his skin removed with red hot pincers. Jesus. That is how they got rid of it. It wasn't hung <laughs> and quartered, it was peeled. Peeled alive. Mm. Why can't we bring stuff like that back? I mean, that. that I mean, you, you've got to, you've got to say just from a sort of like point of view of that. That's elevated what was already kind of a legend mm. into something else because suddenly that would. I mean, not being funny. I've I've often wondered. What, I don't know if he's been used as the basis of a werewolf movie. Yeah. Because that's almost like, you know, it's, it's that same sort of thing. It's like Candyman being burnt in the village green and yeah. stuff like that. It's just that sort of... That that's sounds a, like someone made it up to be gruesome. That's a deterrent. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's you know? <laughs> yeah, it's true. Uh, yeah, they gave him an Asbo as well. <laughs> <laughs> he was less concerned with that. Like, yeah, he, he, won't be doing, that well, he won't be doing that again. No, not walking around with his skin folded over his arm like a towel. <laughs> You yeah. just reminded me. That's another one, Candyman. That was to do with was it wasps? Sure yeah, bees. Yeah, bees. Yeah, bees. Yeah. yeah that, oh, that's it. Because they smear him in honey, don't they? Uh, yeah. They smear him in well, honey. The they stun him shitless, uh, and then they set fire to him. And that scared me as well. And in fact, um, for quite a while afterwards, because whenever you'd stand in front of a mirror. And you couldn't help but say Candyman in your head three times. And I can't remember. Is it I is do, that allowed? I, I say Biggie Smalls now. <laughs> Biggie Smalls. Biggie Smalls. But yeah, I th- no, it's yeah, it's three times, but it has to be out loud. It does know? have to be okay. Because it because it stems from what is it? The Bloody Mary urban legend, doesn't yeah. it? Where it's you say that into the mirror. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think because that and again, that's another thing where it's kind of someone taking. Taking a folklore, but then pasting their own imagination into uh, it and everything. Yeah. And yeah, I'd, actually, I read a very nice thing the other day, which was um, uh, some. It was a crappy article about uh, Pinhead from Hellraiser versus various people. You know, like when Freddy versus Jason came out. Yeah. So it was like, oh, we can do we can do this with all horror icons from the eighties then. <laughs> and one of the proposals was like Pinhead versus Michael Myers. Don't even no. know where you'd start with that. No. Apparently, though, and this I kind of regret, is there was meant to be he was meant to cameo at the end of Freddy versus Jason. Oh, really? And it was going to be them still like in hell, still ripping lumps out of each other. And then he was to appear and just say, gentlemen, what appears to be the problem here? <laughs> and which would have been pretty cool. Have you seen Freddy vs. Jason? No. Oh, now that. Have you seen is... Freddy vs. Larry Grayson? <laughs> which is a, shut that door. It's a whole, whole new ball game, that one. 
I said, I'm still devastated that I never saw that at the cinema. I was so convinced it was going to be terrible, I didn't go. No, I didn't. And then I saw it about a year later and almost cried openly. (laughs) It's it's weird because... I think it's weird because it's like those films, like Freddy in particular, like Nightmare on Elm Street in particular, you know, you know them. Yeah. Mm. And then I suddenly, when I went to see that, it was like, shit, this is actually the first time I've seen Freddy Krueger in the cinema. Yeah. Mm. Because I'd only seen it on video, and that was well. I mean, that, the age I, I was—that was the only way I was ever going to see yeah. it. Yeah. But yeah, it was just a weird thought to suddenly think, "Hang on, you know this film series really well, but you've never seen one at the cinema." Yeah. I mean, even even something like even Star Wars, I saw Return of the Jedi at the cinema when it came out. Yeah. So you know, there was at, le- at least one I saw at the right time. Yeah. That it was sort of you know when it was actually big, but yeah. Just a weird thing to suddenly realise you've not seen Jason, you've not seen Freddy on the big screen ever. Yeah, no, it, again, I know it's retro, you know, it's um, retroactive, but going to the, the Prince Charles Marathon and seeing all of the Elm oh, Street yeah. movies back to back over a 13 hours or whatever, um, yeah, it was just. I swore I would never do an all-nighter at the cinema again because they make me so unwell. Mm. I just can't... I can't stay awake unless I drink, and then if I drink, it's a long time to be drinking, Mm. and it upsets my stomach, and I get really fidgety, and then I can't sleep, and it puts me in a bad mood, and I hate it. But then as soon as I saw all the Elm Street movies, I was like, do you know what, I'm going to have to put that aside and go through the discomfort. Mm. So So what was it? So what was it? It was all... What is it, seven? Yes. Yeah, so including right through including the new, new nightmare. nightmare. Yeah. So not including Freddy versus Jason, but no, up to, but up to that new point. Nightmare. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I right. slept through five. Most people did. Yeah. Is I that think Dream Child. Than, yes. Yeah. Yeah, and other than that, I saw all of them. So. Yeah, it was it was good. I really enjoyed it. I, I, I love those films, and I know people get really down on the later ones. But because I didn't see them necessarily in order, yeah, I saw, I think I saw four first, then five, then went back and saw the original. So I, I don't, I don't think I'd seen the progression. So I didn't get progressively more upset with what was happening. So, so why, why is that? Is it just that they just didn't have enough <coughs> new things for him to he do? Was, he was definitely an evil horror icon. The first one yeah. was full on horror. Mm. The second one was two the third one was a little bit campier by the fourth one it was he was putting in lots of one liners and it was kind of it's i think the it's, more, it's, it's the formula than... that's the trouble very first one gets you because you've never seen anything like it mm. second one is very weird mm. um then the third one's kind of a return to the characters from the first so film. So the third one was the first one I saw, and yeah. I, that scared me. Yeah, it's still more Him coming out of the TV yeah. and picking yeah. the person up by their veins, that was all yeah. new ideas. I was yeah. like, well, yeah. that's a bit... But then I think... And then I think it just because... I think by... I think it's also just, again, it's audience familiarity. I think it's like you... Mm, people yeah. went in knowing what to expect, yeah. and so people gave it to them. Mm. Yeah. It's like when a band hits upon... Well, that album did well, so we'll just yeah. do that album three more times. Mm. Yeah, and I think it kind of gets it's like probably that. quite a difficult position to be in. Oh yeah, it's, really. I mean it's it's terrible to judge, but then I think also 
the majority of franchises are not seen through by like a single vision because obviously well, yeah, this Wes Craven yeah. did the first one but then they brought in a new writer for each one a new director okay. for each one so. what happened because he then did one of the later ones didn't he because I seem to remember something he, he did New Nightmare it got yeah. called Wes Craven's right. yeah. 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 and that's that's almost like a dry run for Scream because it's kind of postmodern, isn't it? Yeah. Because yeah. that basically is all the characters in the real world. So it's Wes Craven and Heather Langenkamp and all the sort of... And people, John Saxon. Yeah, and all, the, all the cast, themselves. basically, as, them, as playing themselves, who have played the oh, roles right. in... Okay, because they, they have his hands, don't they? Like the prop or something. Yeah. And it comes alive. Or yeah. 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 And it's basically meant to be that Freddy is... By creating Freddy, they gave an ancient evil a new yeah. face, face yeah. or a new identity. Yeah. But, but it's, but it's based on... Idea, really. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's, it is. It was a good idea. And it was, again, it was, the film's got its shortcomings, but it's mm. not. A, it really isn't a bad film. I, okay. I, mm. Again, the problem is, because I love the character of Freddy mm. and everything about him is... Hat, his weapons, yeah. his jumper, his way of killing everything about him is so well thought out and mm. fits together so perfectly that it, I, you just can't do any wrong in my eyes, unfortunately, which I know is bad. No, I, I, I don't think that's a thing. I think, I think really, when you when you love something or when something really affects, I want to go with the series. Yeah. It's the same. It's the same as if you know. It's the same as listening to shit albums by a band. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? I mean, no one wants no one wants to hear "Cut the Crap" by The Clash, but I did. I did have it, you know, back when I liked, you know, when I was sort of into The Clash, and it was like, you know. and you still enjoy it just because it's them. You, yeah. Well, it's it's just to be. It's just so I can say for myself in a weird way, as well. You know, where you can just because uh, I think far too often there's a thing where it's like. Oh, don't watch, don't watch anything after three because they're shit. And it's like, well, I might be the judge of that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like Hell Hellraiser four, mm. like the blood bloodline gets a really bad press, and I, I think it's great. I liked that film. I liked the first half of that film. Mm. I liked when they went back and showed where the box came mm. from and the creation yeah. of it and why and how. I liked all of that stuff. It was just when it then went back onto a spaceship that it got slightly beyond me. But the ones after that. Was, I, and I, as you say, I did the same. I watched all eight of them, despite the fact mm. the last four of them were painful to sit through, and they weren't Hellraiser films. They well, were majority majority of them were were just films that were written, and then they said, "Oh, we can make this a Hellraiser film, and you'll get it made." Yeah, swap out your main character, change it into Pinhead. Yeah, and rather than a devil yeah. character or whatever, make it Pinhead, and then we'll yeah. And then. Dreadful films, but I still watched all of them. I've, yeah, exactly. I you, wouldn't go back and watch them as I would with the Elm Street films. But then I think, but again, it's that thing. I think even when it's, even when it's, uh, um, Planet of the Apes hmm. is a case in point. I mean, those six films. I have watched those six films a lot. I really don't need to watch Battle for the Planet of the Apes, <laughs> um, which I think is the last one. Yes. Like the last uh, uh, yeah, I'd, yeah, I think it is. Okay, I've not seen any no, of the originals or the new ones. Oh, right. To admit. But, um, but again, it's sort of like, it's the thing of, well, I'm, I'm, I'm here, I'm watching the whole damn thing, you know. Yeah. And it's, I don't know, it's like watching, 
Um, I think the only thing I've ever done, the only thing I've ever really had a cut off with was I really loved Misfits, uh, and then I didn't bother after Series Three because it was like, well, it's just gone tits up now, isn't it? So <laughs> I can't remember where I got to. I got I think to probably about two or three. Was that the yeah. prison? Group of no, no, it was the kids doing community service, yeah, 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 okay, yeah. I saw the first few, yeah, yeah, it was like heroes for chavs, <laughs> but again, I'd, I'd somebody told me the premise of it, and I was like, that's the biggest rip off I have ever. I, I didn't watch heroes to be fair, mm. but I was like, that is a complete, you know, it's like yeah. battle royale and um, oh, Hunger Games, and Hunger Games. How can you get away with completely ripping off at something? So, but then when I watched, I, I watched Misfits, and yeah, I really enjoyed it because I liked all the characters, mm, despite the yeah. fact the story was completely unoriginal. Mm. Um, Again, it's it's whether you can engage with the characters, which is probably. Again, like we were saying with the Wolfman, is yeah. you, I think you, you engage with Larry, but I don't think you engage with anyone else. I, I think don't. I felt more sorry for him than yeah. scared of him, and I guess that might have been a slight issue. Mm. But then, but then that plays into like the Frankenstein thing, yeah. where the monster is yeah. sympathetic rather yeah. than mm. scared. I mean, it'd be scary if he was, yeah. you know, in front of you or whatever. But but somehow, yeah, it didn't build that sort of fear mm. so much, perhaps. I think that's my. Whereas it built on the sadness for him. Yeah. I think my problem I had with uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon, which I know is supposed to be a classic, but I've got the same problem with that. And I've watched it three or four times. It took me a while to work out, but I think it's the same thing. I don't find Gilman scary, and I don't find him sympathetic. Mm. And the people on the boat have got. Haven't got enough personality for me to care about. So I'm like, right, so he might kill them, they might kill him. Couldn't really give a shit either way. And I've got no investment in anybody in this film whatsoever. And I just, for that reason, I love. For that reason, I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) I love the aesthetic. I love that 50s feel of people just going up the Amazon on a boat and it's this, you know, underwater. Mm. I really like that idea. Yeah. But the the film itself in its execution, I just can't get into it. Mm. No, I I think, yeah, I think there is, I think there is a real lack with that. I think even, even when you watch, um, and I think even later on with uh, sort of Hammer Hmm. and stuff like that, quite often the leading man or like the romantic lead is bland mm. and forgettable, and they're the only actor you don't know in it. Yeah, you know, the, you know Peter Cushing, you know Christopher Lee, you know I don't know uh, sort of Patrick Troughton, whoever. Yeah, you know, you know all, all the other people who are playing actual characters. Yeah, but whoever is the sort of uh, well, don't worry, my dear. I'm sure that it'll be a lovely castle when we get there. <laughs> it's always some prat you've never heard of, never see him again, and. He's wooden as fuck, and just yeah, yeah, you don't care. Yeah, yeah, it's it's hard to get, and it, it's funny. It's almost the opposite of the stuff you get with, um, like the Friday films and stuff, where they get a group of teenagers and purposefully make you dislike them mm. because mm. then you just straight away, oh, I can't wait to see that dick yeah. get stabbed. It's yes. going to be awesome, and and it, it's kind of that middle ground where you don't don't hate them. But I don't really care if he gets killed, and you just it, you, there's no investment, there's no. Mm. But then I think that's the thing with with um, it's 
it then becomes, I mean, certainly with Nightmare on Elm Street is the thing of, right, what's the, how cleverly are they going to kill them? Yeah. Or how fucked up mm, yeah, you know, yeah. are they going to kill them? Or even down to the point where you're trying to work out, right, well, this guy's got this thing going on. Yeah. You know, what is going to be the thing that Freddy takes out of mm. his quirks that's going to be the thing yeah. he uses against him? Yeah. And, and I mean, there's, I mean, there's, some of it's fucking insane. I mean, there's the, what is it? There's the woman, there's the woman who's pushing weights and she gets turned into a cockroach eventually. She pushes, yeah, and she's scared of, in, terrified of insects, yeah, so he turns her, her into, into a cockroach. Yeah, and then, and then catches her inside a cockroach mm, trap. And then crushes it, yeah. Yeah. And, but, and I mean, that is, there's a lot, you know, a lot's gone into that. Yeah. You can't fault them for that. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. That, that's why they're, they're really enjoyable. On despite the fact you can't compare the fourth film to the first film because the first film is an all-out horror, and the fourth film is a kind of horror comedy. Like, and it's exactly the same with uh, the Friday the Thirteenth mm. films. You know, you watch that first film and it's harrowing. Then you watch Jason Goes to Manhattan, where he punches a man's head clean off his shoulders on a roof. It's mm. it, it is just a a comedy of itself but I, I, I don't know but it just works because yep. that's the thing you, you in the first one it's a terrifying character you want the good the good guys to win mm. when they're all gone and you realise that the only thing you've got to hold on to is this great evil character then you can make the other people forgettable because you want you're cheering for Freddy, or mm. you're cheering for Jason, yeah, or you want Mike Myers to. Th- that's who you're spending the night with. Yeah. In the first films, it's kind of like, right, I'm here with these people, and this is kicked off. Yeah. And then after that, it kind of does become sort of like, I wonder what Freddy's up to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Come on, Fred. Show us, show us the latest group of teens that you don't like. She likes diving. How are you going to kill her with that? Yeah. Come exactly. On. You know. <laughs> He's stuck a shark up. <laughs> I don't even know how that works, but it does. Yeah, that is interesting. The change between you yeah, being rooting for the sort of meant to be the good guys or rooting for the bad guy and, and your think, relationship. And I wonder the... if that's why it takes on a comedic element mm. because yeah. because if you're rooting for someone who is pure evil, yeah. you kind of feel bad. Like you wouldn't, mm. like you say, you wouldn't watch a slasher, but like uh, like a proper, a normal, yeah, yeah, like a serial killer film mm. for, for the MB. I mean, I guess if you were, there might be something you got to question a little bit about your, <laughs> the, your inner... the nearest to it is Hannibal, the mm. TV series of Hannibal. Okay. Yes, no, that's absolutely where, right. Where he's you... still rooting for him, yeah, but he's a hundred percent in the wrong. Yeah, he is. It's not. There's no sort of. There's no sort of Dexter bullshit with it. Of like, mm. you know, because even though they bring in that thing of kill the rude, he's still pretty much a shit. And let's face it, <laughs> filling someone with psychotropic drugs and then killing the doctor who's about to diagnose you as having a major brain tumour yeah. so that he can just see what happens, that's fucked up. <laughs> that is genuinely evil. But you still want to watch and see what the fuck's going on. Such a great, again, a, a, mm. such a, a great show. And the gore levels and stuff on that for a TV show. And they just kept topping it. Oh, my mm. God, he took a man and turned him into a cello. How can they possibly... All oh right, 14-man totem pole on the beach. Yeah. Yep, that's what worse. The tree? Did you get to the tree? Yes. Yeah, well, yeah, oh, I that's... made it all the way through. And yeah. it just gets more and more creative and more and more 
horrific. I suppose mm. that's something we haven't touched on is, yeah, how gore can affect a horror because I do think that brings out horror thoughts when you see some well done gore. I, th- I think it's that there's the Monty Python thing, actually, <laughs> though, like, like Itchy the Killer, where he goes into a room and then you don't see anything, but you just see a typhoon of blood just yeah, head yeah. out like that. And I think gore is a weird one because slight gore is actually is probably more horrifying. It's mm. like there's a, the bit in there's a bit in the film Hardware. There's a bit where someone grabs a piece of glass, like grabs onto a smashed window, mm. and you see glass go like just cut their hand. And I remember watching it with a commentary, and the director Richard Stanley said, "Oh, I put that in because that's." Uh, that's something everyone can relate to. Yeah. You know, being attacked or whatever. These aren't necessarily things, but everyone knows what a cut feels like. That's so if you do it that, more real again. Yeah, yeah, if you do that in close-up, the whole it's audience goes, like, oh, yeah. even though people have had, like, mm, you know, crazy. blades thrown, shoved through them yeah. and things like that. Yeah. But that'll be the one that gets people because it's just the right level of visceral. But do enough of that sort of thing and it builds up your mm, tension yeah. and your, like, oh... You exactly, know, yeah. And then, but then you suddenly get to a point where certainly Sounds like, like that Hannibal turning people into totally. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, and but, a cello. But you, but you get. I think you just get to that point where it gets Monty Python. Yeah, yeah. and so it you've gets got to get the balance when you've got so yeah. much. Got um, Evil Dead. Yeah, like yeah, those yeah. where it becomes comedic. It, yeah, yeah, that too yeah. a lot. You know, gore, real excessive gore, just becomes yeah. funny. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah right, you know, right. it's sort of um, a brain dead. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Brain dead. Yeah. Tokyo Gore Police. Yeah. Um, um, MPD Psycho. There's the bit where, because I mean, there's a fantastic sequence in that where um, it's a fight between two gangs, and it comes down to the the like the two leaders of the gangs, and this guy just sort of does a swish in the air with a knife like that, slits the guy's throat, then sort of pirouettes opens an umbrella and it's just as the guy's throat opens and the umbrella's just <laughs> to stop the blood falling on him like that. And it's it's ridiculous, you know. And I yeah. think that's the thing is is that gore gore's probably sort of like it's a real middle ground yeah. mm. of where do you take it? And because I mean there's certain I mean there's certain things it's like um I mean they're not particularly my cup of tea, like you said, with like the sort of torture pong stuff and things mm. like that. But like in Hostel, you know, just, just someone getting their Achilles tendon hit. Yeah. That somehow is so much worse than like, you know, chopping heads off or yeah. like, you know, axes through heads and things like that. It's well, I, I mean, look back to the stuff of the 80s, as you say, again, the Achilles tendon thing, that part from Pet Cemetery, you know. Yeah. The, the effects don't mm. even hold up nowadays. No. But still, you can't watch that without wincing. Yeah, you will twitch. To get it builds tension. It's a bit like if one of these horror characters catches you and kills you, it's all over like, mm. pretty quickly. But whereas if they catch you and they nearly catch you and then you're just getting away, you know, like in a, a um, nightmare... You trip mm. over and you're yeah. just about getting up and you're running away again and you know it's just coming after you. That sort of keeps building the yeah that sort of sense. That, that, yeah, there's that definite sort of tension there. Mm. I mean, well, I mean, even down to um, uh, oh, what's what's the bloody film? Uh, Die Hard. Mm. 
you know, where it's like he's walking around on I broken glass. I thought that with the broken glass when yeah. you mentioned and it. And it's yeah. sort of like, it's that, that has that same effect. Yeah. But again, I did read, I can't remember, someone, someone did one of those sort of Mythbusters style analysis on it. And it was basically, oh yeah, it had been dead on the top of the lift 40 minutes into the film, it, it, just yeah. on the basis of how many cuts and bruises it sustained yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. But I think, yeah, again, it's that same thing. It's, it's just ramping the tension mm. because it's bad enough. It's bad enough trying to escape from something unstoppable. Yeah. But if you are then hampered in yeah. some way, yeah. I mean, even back to the zombies, because mm. zombies don't uh, certainly the shambling ones mm. aren't. At, you know, you think to yourself, well, you just you just go away from them. Yeah. yeah. But if they Can if keep they coming, keep coming, yeah. yeah. You've got to sleep, or yeah. Yeah. you're going to fall over, yeah. or you're going to do something. There's wrong. something that's going to make you vulnerable, and it's yeah. coming up ahead. And yeah. it's just what can you do to? Mm. When we cover um, talking of zombie films, when we cover independent movies, because we are going to have to cover independent movies at some point. Yeah. Um, I think the battery would be a great one to show Chris. I've not seen it. So Have you not so seen I'd, it? I'd like to see it. Yeah. it, it it's uh, it's fantastic. It's basically, it was shot for next. I think it was shot for something ridiculous, like ten thousand dollars or something insane. And it's basically the zombie apocalypse has happened during a baseball game. Two guys are left together. One is the batter. One is the catcher. They just happen, they don't know each other, they happen to be stood next to each other when it all kicks off. You don't see any of it, this is just told you. Mm-hmm. And they are left together trying to trying to survive the zombie apocalypse. And it's an outstanding film. Really, really good. You really care about them. There's, as you say, it's the shambling zombies, but there's so much tension in it. Mm. Um, one of them wants to kill every zombie he can. He thinks it's his purpose to try and rid the world of zombies. And the other one doesn't... He, he sees them still as human yeah. and just wants to stay away from it all. And it was made for absolutely nothing. It's, I'm sure I'm sure this and Primer came out about the same time. And I'm sure, yeah, somebody said they were both the same. Basically, two main guys both went and got a credit card mm. for... $5,000 and just made the film for what they could put on a credit card and it's mm. absolutely amazing what you can do on, on no budget mm. um, so as, I long, think as long as you've got an original idea I mean mm. fuck me I mean Primer is yeah. incredible I need to go back and rewatch that I've only watched mm. that one I've got I've still not watched it yet but I've also got uh, the follow up movie that he's done about a virus that goes into people from pigs and then people can control you with a sonic device. That sounds interesting. The, it's called something like the Colour Upstream. I think that's what it's called. Or Upstream Colour, I think that's it. But um, I've still not got round to that because that's one of those ones where I think about it and I think, yeah, I really want to watch that. And then I look at the back and then I look at the time and I go, no. Because <laughs> I, I don't know if I can handle this at the moment. <laughs> or, or alternately, it's one of those things where you just sit there and think, I'll be fine with this. As long as I can lock myself in for an hour and a half yeah. and make sure I get no interruptions because otherwise <laughs> it will just be, oh crap, I don't know what the hell, I can't remember what the hell is going yeah. on now. So, yeah. Uh, 
it's another actually independence is, is a good a good subject because I was going to broach this earlier when we were talking about well trodden stories but if it's done well you can enjoy it uh, one of my favourite ones is uh, I don't know if you remember me watching it obsessively over and over again um, it's my party and I'll die if I want to yeah I remember you um, I've got a signed poster for it up in the other room I love that again and that was the same that was a guy when he learned to be a, a filmmaker um, and then just shot it with his friends at weekends. Um, so it was made for next to nothing. But it, it's again, and it's it's the same story. So it's Halloween. They throw a Halloween party in a derelict haunted house. Uh, you know, accidentally wake up the spirit, and it just starts possessing people and just starts. It's the same story as Night of the Demons, mm-hmm. or um, yeah, it's been done a few times, but it's just done so well and you really appreciate the quality of the effects on the budget that it's done mm, on. Yeah, well, that is always impressive if they can do a good job. Mm. And, and that's what I love, is the fact that there's no studio interference. Mm. So you can just write your own story yeah, and there's nobody to say, well, yeah. actually, mm. uh, we haven't hit this demographic yeah. or can you rein in the gore and then we can make it a PG yeah. thing. Mm. It just means that despite the fact they've got less money, they yeah. can do... It, it freedom, is that yeah. person's... Yeah. Mm. And it's a it's a brilliant film. Have and you have you had a chance to watch either of the um, Lord well, of Tears? I started right? to watch Lord of Tears. Uh, it got very very weird. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'll say Unkindness of Ravens is probably the better of the two. Okay, and and I will say the 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 main guy in Lord of Tears. Yeah, is an he's a he's an acceptable actor, <laughs> but. Yeah, um, I, I am going to go back and watch the rest of yeah. it. But it was one of those. Um, I've just gotten back from the gym, so I just needed to eat something. So I sat down and watched it, and I got kind of engrossed in it because I sat there for about forty minutes, and mm. then I was like, I really need to go and shower. And I went and showered and came back down and just went, Yeah, I can't face it. See, see, see this, this, <laughs> this is what I know is going to happen with Upstream Color. Is I don't want to, I don't want to go into it. Because I think if I get interrupted, I'll probably not Never continue. Finish. Oh, I'll finish it one day, but it will be ten years <laughs> or something. You know, um, I've had it for fucking ages. <laughs> I really liked the idea, though. Mm. I really liked all the shots and everything. It, there's really, I, I think there's there's a lot that the um, the um, director who does it, both of them, really has an eye for landscapes. And countryside and stuff like that, and yeah, and the sets as well. Like even the sets for the the lobby for the hotel mm. and stuff, it's all really nicely decked out. Mm. It looks really good. Yeah, um, that so, actually is that is actually just a house in the Highlands. You can just oh really just you go just and hire it. it. Does it come with the crazy ballet dancing? Because that's where I've got to the scene where he's sitting there and she's ballet dancing. Oh but yeah, but it's gone on for about four minutes yeah, of the no, film no, now. No, I, actually, like, oh, I actually, no, no, no. I, I must confess, at that point, I was questioning what the fuck was going on. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you stick with it, it's very rewarding. So yeah, it's, I'm quite liking the characters and everything. Mm-hmm. So um, oh, yeah, I, I'm definitely going to go back to it. But yeah, after that much dancing, yeah, that no is reason, it, seriously. That is just that is one of those sequences where he, even I was going. You know, and I I will put up with anything. Mm-hmm. You know, I I have sat through some of the most pretentiously weird and insane things, and that that just what that one sequence because it was like, 
Well, this is out of the blue. <laughs> you know, so I think that's it, what it, it is. It always <laughs> feels like, you know, there was a spate of films in the 80s where you'd have a film and then randomly they'd just put a song in the middle of it. Mm. Like, they did it with... They weren't proper musicals, but suddenly you just had you a just song. You just had in, a yeah. musical number. Um, the Midnight Hour had it in for no reason whatsoever. Adventures in Babysitting had mm. it in for no reason whatsoever. Yeah, just, what, what, why are we... Why is this in here? It mm. makes no... And it, that was just, that was just what it reminded it, it me do, of. It doesn't, but it does have... It, it has relevance. That's, oh, that's okay. why I can, I can put it. It does have relevance. So it's not, it's not arbitrary. So, <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Right. I think we've probably been going for plenty long enough now. Um, so mm. if we wrap it up... Okay. Um, as I will go back and explain before we record this episode, this is a retake. We uh, recorded this and the sound quality was shocking. So this is our round two. Um, on the Wolfman. On the Wolfman. So we've already decided our next film. So rather than pretend to have it as an organic conversation that happens now, we are watching Prince of Darkness. Woo! Um, We're honest kind of people. Yeah. yeah. We don't want to lie to you. We don't want to lie to our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think if, problem. if we start yeah. out lying... <laughs> You know, where does the relationship go from there? Absolutely. What kind of a foundation is that? <laughs> foundation of mistrust. So, uh, yeah. So, thank you very much for listening. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, everyone. And uh, hopefully, Chris will enjoy Prince of Darkness a little bit more than the Wolfman. Mm. Mm-hmm. Who knows? <laughs> Night. Night.